This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by one of the greatest defenders of the Premier League era, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine. Too much, Wayne. You pushed it last week. You've gone too far. <laughs> Again, you're tearing yourself up every single time now, aren't you? No, I'm, I um, verify everything that I'm going to say. I look at the stats, and if the stats back me up, then I feel properly entitled to say it. And I think with a... You know, a few Premier League medals, Paul. I um, I think that I'm entitled with that one. So I, I appreciate your modesty, but I, I am going to push it a little bit every week and see what I can get away with. Um, <laughs> I'm happy with that one. Um, a little note before we begin. Two years we've been doing this podcast, Paul, um, you and I. Um, I've got to say it's one of the highlights of my week, the, the idea of sort of starting the week off on a positive note, you know, talking to you about football on Monday morning is... Uh, you're doing it again. Well, I'm just saying that I enjoy it again. Yeah. I so. actually did. I actually did see that you did mention that yesterday, and even I was surprised when you said two years. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, I, I was quite surprised at, at that at that length of time. I would never have gone anywhere near that that we'd been doing this for two years. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> probably because we've been having more fun. It might have felt like four years if we'd been doing it under the Mourinho reign. But oh. <laughs> he's been under the only right now. Uh, yeah, I think people would have wanted me to come off, by the way, because I'd, <laughs> I'd have just gone on. I'd have mostly been saying the same thing all the time, all the same what, to- what Tottenham people are saying at this moment in time. Yeah, um, well, thankfully, that's not us at the moment, although I've got a fair few Spurs supporting friends and family, and um, my sympathy with them at the moment, um, even though I think they won at the weekend, didn't they? So, yeah. um, so before we begin, uh, the past weekend was the 63rd anniversary of Munich. Uh, Paul, you were at the club obviously for a number of years. I would say <coughs> that at the time you were there, it was almost felt like a different sort of observation of the, you know, the event. Today, obviously, there's a lane of the wreath of the Munich clock at the stadium. A crowd gathers to pay respect. I think, to my memory, that's something that's come around since the turn turn of century, really, because it wasn't always the case. I was just wondering what your experiences were of that as someone who played for the club during, you know, the early 90s, this successful time for the club. And I wonder, was it possibly different because there were more survivors alive, you know, more people who grew up with the accident, so were aware of it, you know, today, obviously... It feels as much about education as it does about remembrance. I mean that in a good way, obviously, but it was quite different to when you were a player, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely was. I think we, I think we, we did. Get, there was something that went on, and we had to be wearing all our club attire. You know, the blazers, the shirts, um, tie. Um, we go out the match day, and there was that always that <clears throat> before every time we get that home game closest. There was always. The way we come out and a little bit before kick off, a minute, yeah, minute silence, and then we get on and play the game. And the onus about everything was on the game was was always never to get beaten <clears throat> at that moment in time, you know. And, and the, the, you know, to lift everyone was to always go out and go out and go at it from the start to get the fans 
really going because if you got them going at that moment in time, <clears throat> they weren't going to stop. Yeah. So um, that's what the bo- excuse me, <clears throat> that's what the um, boss has to kind of ethos he kind of set up really um, on that day. You know, for those kind of you know what happened on. Um, in Munich really whenever we was going out we had to go out and we had to lift the fans that's what it was about I remember um, one of them I was talking about the other day when um, Samat died yeah and then we played actually I mean I, I was talking about when I was doing I was doing the radio and Samat died and we had the next game that was up on you know next the next game at home after was Everton yeah and we played Everton I think we won 1-0 Mm. If I remember rightly, so I'm going to turn around and say that must have been, could that have been '93? No, no, '93, '94 season that was after he'd already won the league, and um, was playing. And my good mate Ian Snowden was playing for Everton, and um, so we won the game one nil. And I, I speak to Ian after in, in the bar after the, and Ian, Ian <laughs> I won't say what came out of his mouth, but a lot there was a lot of it being a typical Yorkshireman as he is. But he just said, "Oh, words to the effect of so pleased that's over." He goes, "We we knew we couldn't even really lay a glove on you today or anything. It wasn't the time. It wasn't a place. We just wanted that ninety minutes to go as quick as possible and just accept what was given to us and get away." Yeah, I, mean, I think I remember looking up at this game recently and there were no bookings and there were only like a few fouls in that for yeah. a three United Everton game. It was Yeah, yeah, it was it was a it was an incredible game because we just in theory totally dominated until I think at certain point of it, I think kind of think everyone was kind of holding back in the end because I think we kind of saw what Everton were all about. There was no malice in the game or anything like that. And yeah. it's it's just come up just at this time when you come up and all of a sudden come here to go Oh, another moment, another sombre moment. So Matt Busby, when when you know when he passed away, and the game that came up next was Everton at home. Yeah, strange how that yeah. um, works out. Um, yeah. On to present day United. Then um, the last week, obviously things got off to the best start with that nine nil win over Southampton. The goals were spread about by the players. Um, visitors were on a hiding from the first minute due to sending off. Um, from then on it was all about getting the first goal and being patient and after you score four or five the opponent gets mentally fatigued and it's about being professional rather than playing well I don't want to sound like I'm saying that we didn't play well or that I'm being negative at all it's one of the most resounding wins that we've seen and you know scoring nine goals is a, a proper spectacle we all know Southampton were there for the taking from from that first minute and I guess it's with some praise actually that for once I'm saying that we saw United be a little bit more ruthless um, when in the past they've been more casual when the scoreline's a little closer it is a bit of a generational kind of result Paul uh, maybe not for the Southampton players because they had one last season as well but um, United never let up um, perhaps with the idea that Spurs were relentless to them you know one of those things where it cut deep you know Spurs never stopped so United were like no do you know what we'll go for the kill as well and they did, and they got nine goals. Um, we'll talk about the VAR thing in a moment, but overall, 9 0. You've got nothing to grumble, but what did you take from the game? It's difficult. Again, I don't want to say that we didn't play well. We obviously did play brilliantly, and like you know, there was a lot of patient, good attacking. But when it's that comprehensive, it's, it's difficult to sort of summarise, isn't it? It is, in a way, and to be perfectly honest, you'd expect United to have scored a, a lot of goals when you play against 10 men people think it's easy generally and expect you to go and do it it isn't easy because I think um, I think Southampton um, Southampton found out when they, at Newcastle yeah. you know they found out there it isn't easy when you come up against a side that's willing to fight Southampton didn't fight Southampton just there were certain players that went missing Bertrand went missing I only noticed him when the ninth goal went in I didn't know he was playing the left back to be perfectly honest but I just felt that a lot of it, because of the modern game, I don't think that a lot of players play with their hearts anymore, play, you know, it's very much self-centred. And I think a lot of Southampton players stopped playing, to be perfectly honest. Now, I, I said to somebody, I'll tell you what, um, when, I was, <clears throat> when I was around, I said, go and watch the Manchester United game v Ipswich Town when they beat them 9-0. I said, you have a look at Ipswich Town players, you watch what they're doing, and then you'll come out and say that was worthy of the scoreline because United worked hard. Yeah. 
this this game it wasn't it was like just one of those it was like reserves v the first team and what happens is if you go and score a couple of goals against the reserve players quite early when when a manager manager arranges these kind of games the reserve players have got the ump already because they're not because they feel embarrassed about having to sit there they don't want to be there you might have a couple of youngsters who want to prove a point because they've been asked to play against the first team and you score a couple early after a while they just walk around because there's nothing for them in the end really whatever the manager thinks of them they think oh he, he thinks that anyway so why should I bother now it's getting embarrassing Southampton played like that they gave they gave up mm. they gave up so the scoreline in my in my opinion <clears throat> and it's not me being bitter or anything like that I look at that and I think to myself no that sums up a lot of the way the game is I don't think there was enough <clears throat> honesty from those players but Ipswich Town you watched that game and I, I remember I sat in the stand because I was injured when that game was on and I watched it and that was they got demolished by sheer class by quality they couldn't live with it mm. Craig Forrest <clears throat> Craig Forrest looked like <clears throat> he wanted to cry in goal it was an incredible performance that, <clears throat> that afternoon incredible and it was enjoy you know, you always kind of think to yourself oh god I feel sorry for them I'm really bad but <clears throat> this time you just saw how clinical when you talk about Coley and things like that. It was unbe- <clears throat> unbelievable performance by United. Well, I look at this one, and it was bitty. Um, no, it, <clears throat> it was a good three points, and they, they they scored goals against ten men, which you want from your team. But if there's an opportunity for people, go and have a look at that ninety minutes demolish the way that Manchester United demolished Ipswich Town. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. That's fair. Um, it, it, you know, you're United fan. You you watch your team win nine nil, and you're obviously happy with it. We, I, th- I thought there was some good football in there, some good goals. Um, like you said, I, th- I think a, a big part of it was down to Southampton being really low on confidence, uh, very very early on, um, and the goals sort of piled in at the end. I mean, perhaps six nil was a fair reflection, but then those goals sort of in the last couple of minutes just made it a really comprehensive scoreline, which sort of started yeah, that with just some. That just summed up their attitude in the end, really, especially that last one. It was just, you know, with three minutes to go and you think to yourself, right, you look at the scoreline, then you just cave in like, like the way they did in that time. You just boot the ball as far away as possible. You, you go around and you think to yourself, sod this, I've been absolutely embarrassed here. You go and commit a foul. Yeah. You, you know, there was nothing there. No one got angry or anything at all, which you think to yourself, somebody's got to get angry there's always that one player in the team who's embarrassed by the score line embarrassed that his teammates are letting him down he ain't doing anything can you imagine Paul Wentz or Roy Keane or Brian Robson in that midfield and that was going on around them they would have been been shouting and screaming at everyone who who they felt wasn't doing enough didn't see that didn't camera never panned in on one person Wolves Prowse camera he just went. He wasn't bothered. His head didn't look. Didn't look like he'd never, never been ruffled. <laughs> didn't, didn't bother him. Didn't yeah. bother him. It was happening again to him. How do you deal with that? Oh, it's, it's okay. You get, it's like getting beaten up in the schoolyard once. You don't let it happen again. You turn and you fight back, even though you get beaten. You think I'm going to fight back this time. I'm not going to accept to be beaten like that again. This easy. And then, while I'm doing that, I'm going to hope that other people come and back me when they see me uh, fighting back. Mm. No one was because Southampton. You know they've won <coughs> against um, Liverpool. They won against Arsenal. <coughs> and then yeah, they just had that complete collapse in them. Um, mm. There was a lot of talk after the game, Paul, about that um, the Bednarek moment, yeah. you know, the, the penalty incident. And okay, you know, you look back at it, and I agree with you know, I agree with everything that everyone was saying about it. You know, it's a soft penalty if it is one, and maybe it is a dive. You know, was it really, Listen, real? Was it, it really worth the attention that was paid to it? It was ridiculous. I think it was more about an agenda against Mike Dean and what's been going on for years and years and years and. I'll make it right. I think something should be done about that person. I saw yeah, yeah, I saw I on that. Twitter an interview from Nigel Pearson when he was a Leicester City manager. And virtually at the end of it, and someone said to him, are you going to go and speak to him? He said, no, why am I going to go and speak to that arrogant so-and-so? Yeah. That's what he said about him. So in theory, you are right, because the, what the scoreline score was should, should never have been talked about. It should have been another thing, but the manner it, which it was, the whole thing... 
I think it had to be mentioned. It couldn't be put away because of the scoreline and just talk about that. Because it tells you that people weren't really interested in the scoreline. People more, uh, people had more. That that was the bit that really made made it more than anything. Because for that sending off, Martial was out of order, totally out of order. He admitted after that he he didn't get touched. That he dived. He admitted that he dived to the player. And the players tried to tell Mike Dean. Mike Dean wouldn't listen. He'd made, already made his mind up. And he watched the replay of that so many times. The first instance I saw that, and this is why the play's going on, because I was doing the game, I said, that's not a penalty. Yeah. I said, it's not a penalty. Martial, the way he, he fell down, there's no way he could fall down like that if he was clipped, if he was touched. It was absolutely impossible the way he went down. So I said, no. I said, oh, that far. VAR will come in and sort that out. VAR come in and, they, and I don't know what happened in there. They passed a buck or whatever. And then Mike Dean looked at it over 20 times. He looked at that and still done what he'd done. So that was an agenda for the, someone who was protecting themselves. Somebody was massaging their ego somewhere along the line. That is absolutely ridiculous what happened there. And then for it to be so quickly rescinded tells you everything what's got what happens this one that happened recently that's got to be exactly the same that's got to be rescinded quickly and then the people involved have to be taken aside and looked at because if it was in football or any other industry they would be they'll be having to sit down in front of people and explain themselves explain why they've gone and done that give me a good reason why we're seeing this week in week out We've got to understand the position we're in now. We have to be a hundred, more than a hundred percent sure. We have to adjust and start recognising, and maybe believing that sometimes players are honest. Ben Bednarak, you look at his face, you look at his body language, no different to um Salchek. You kind of think, oh, I'm going to believe him. That's honest. That looks like honesty to me. Reaction, the first reaction. Unless you're an incredible card player, he's telling the one that tells you if it's right or wrong or if it's true or false and Mike Dean has got his own agenda <clears throat> some of the stories I hear about him from people who live, who live around where he lives on that little island that little island or placed us through the tunnel oh they tell me incredible stories so he's got an agenda and it's, it's all about him yeah I'm, you know I'm not far <clears throat> from Mike Dean's biggest fan in fact I always whenever he gets a point to the United game, I always bring up the fact that he um, he was removed from the 2006 FA Cup final because he was born on the Wirral. I always bring mm. that up and, like, you know, the number of um, bad um, decisions we've had against him. I think he sent off Raphael every time he played, um, mm. every time he was in a Dean game, and there was obviously Drogba's goal in 2010. Loads and loads and loads of times we've been victims of the under Mike, Mike Dean. Yeah. And, I just think he's not a very good referee, and then you see that. And yeah, he was con, well, conned. I don't even know if that's the right word for it because he bought, he, he bought into it. One, yeah, you can't con a referee it. anymore because they can go and check it. So the referee's conning everyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. I just personally think, Wayne, there's somewhere along the line, if we if the referees if they're gonna if they, the referees have got to improve and understand the modern game and understand now somehow people now in accepting that. If someone touches you in the box, you've got a right to go down because someone's touched you, mm. which is wrong, which is totally wrong. It's meant to be a foul, something that forces you to go down, yeah. something that you can't do anything about. Someone comes along and takes a great big swipe. As you're running into the box, they take a big swipe at your ankle and your feet kick together and bang. But now it's just about anyone touches their throne. So... They're not booking people, so they don't give it. All of a sudden, they take it away. VAR goes, no. They take it away. The fella doesn't get booked when we know he's dived. The problem is that people are scared to do it because they're worried about the repercussions if they do it, if they question someone's integrity. Well, sooner or later, you're going to have to do that. Put yourself in that position, and then we might get something put, for, something put in place to stop all this as it is going on because it's, get, it's getting embarrassing. I'm doing what I do, and I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of going, well, he's cheated. 
And someone tell me how I'm going to do it. If I say simulation, all I'm doing is disguising it. Mm. Why, why am I going to say, oh, that was simulation? No. He was, the person cheated. He tried to gain an advantage. Mm. He's tried to hoodwink the man in charge into giving him something which he doesn't deserve and which he actually knows he can't, he can't get what he wants. So he's going to try another way. And then what he does, he looks, looks at the referee and goes, oh, no, okay, then fair enough, gets up and carries on. Where, where, where is, I don't know, where is the bit inside, where is his personal pride when he thinks, I've just tried to cheat, hasn't worked out, I've, I'm holding my ankle like it's hurt, and then all of a sudden it goes out, it goes out, it goes that way, and it hasn't gone my way, so I'm just going to carry on as normal. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this one, I'm stepping forward a, a little bit, by the way, is I'm going to turn around and say to you, Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire fell down on the floor and he, there was nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with that challenge. He then laid on the floor and he looked at the referees going foul. The referees ignored him because it wasn't a foul. Mm. He's still on the floor and they've broken away. Everton have broken away. Mm. And he's on the floor looking for something. And I, I turned around and said to the radio, if and when Harry Maguire has a son or daughter and, and they're playing football, if that man turns around and says to the son, play to the whistle, that, that if it says to play to the whistle, someone's he's going to turn around and say, why? Because when I saw you playing against Everton in 2021, when I've seen videos of that, of when people talk about it, you just lied on the floor and waited for a decision. Mm. Yeah. So, so it's, it's ridiculous now. I'm sorry, I've, I've gone, I've no. gone too far. But this whole thing, it it grates me. It yeah. really grates me. The amount of cheating that goes on. I just want to see men be, and I want to see shoulders. I want to see someone go down and actually go. That's a foul. That was clean. He knew. He, he, it was massive. He, he, there's nothing he could do. He, he was always going to fall over. Now you hear, you hear pundits. You hear commentators, oh, yes, but there was conduct, um, contact. I would turn around and say to them, would that be a penalty in your time? Well, no, it could, no it's, but it's the modern game. I think Graham Sooner said that about the modern game, and that's the only way we can explain it. But people will come out and say, oh, Christ, oh, you're old school. You should brush the dust off because the modern game. But it's the only way we can describe it because we know if anybody went down like that in our time, and they try to cheat like that. As we're running, as we're kind of arguing it, and they're on the floor, someone will tread on them mm. and say and call them a cheat. Yeah, because you cheat, you cheat, you're cheating your fellow pros. You're cheating them. Yeah, you're right. And I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest disappointment for me is first of all that they do it. Um, that's obviously massively disappointing. But to do it at six nil, do you know what I mean? Just, yeah. Don't, just book him and move on from it. Do you know and. I see how, um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but why did why did Martial do it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, why? We... Yeah, why did he do that? And he he wasn't even going to take the penalty because he, he, he So why did you do that for? Yeah, and and then, this is the thing with him, though. I mean, this is what sums up Martial as a player, and he he was you know making a good impact as a sub. He scored a couple of goals, but then. He does that. You've got to be, you know, you want to see him be stopped to be getting a penalty. Do you know what I mean? Because that what he's, then you've seen from him is that that's a player who wants to go through and score. Instead of, like we said last week, he gets into these individual circumstances and it's about tricking someone. Just yeah. just try and score. Do you know? Yeah, but, but surely, surely you're going to want to score. Why are you going to throw yourself to the floor? Exactly. If you know that... If you do, if a bloke does fail, you're not going to get the penalty. Get in there and do the job and get out quickly. It just doesn't make any. And then when you when you hear Ben Bednarak going up the tunnel saying, but he called him Marshall. Marshall said it wasn't a penalty. He's, he's told me I never touched him. You think to yourself that's, that's disgraceful on Marshall's. He must surely he woke up the next morning going, oh, why did I do that? Now he should be now a marked man by referees, managers, coaches. Even players to an extent in today's world do their homework before games about individuals, about teams. They've got in their mind. Surely referees must know certain players they've got to be wary of mm. in certain games about things that they might try and do or do do. So they must know that. They've got to really look at it. But they, I don't think they do or they've got their own agendas. And when I say that, I get back to him. M Mike, I'm lacking personality, Dean. Mm. Yeah. No, you're right. And... Um... It's just, and this is the thing. It doesn't like now. I, I think that the dangerous thing is 
that it takes the video almost takes responsibility away from everyone because um, you've got the players and the referees who are both sort of dodging in a, in a way it's, it's a strange one um, right moving on from that let's talk about yeah. Ever- Everton um, <laughs> which is not going to be um, any more fun um, what a different kettle of fish um, this game was so you've got um, the first half we were coasting and playing quite well two goals um, good goals as well Cavani and Fernandez. Um, we'll talk about Fernandez as a little bit later on as well um, in more detail but dare I say two kind of goals that we didn't score often without those players and we don't score often without those players on the pitch the thing is though even at 2-0 I still thought do you know what Everton have shown that they know how to play out against our defence because they keep pulling them around and Calvert-Lewin obviously very good in the air and on the ground um, in second half for the first goal they pulled Maguire out of position because Lindelof's gone wandering um, De Gea obviously should do better with that then they get the tap in and then you know we go back in front and they get the last minute equaliser clock's already gone 94 minutes De Gea pumps the ball it's only coming back Swansebi makes the rash foul Maguire inexplicably keeping everyone on side from the free kick um, United's attack scored three and they look very good but this is one where the defence is definitely getting criticised um, not a good night and a reminder of why United are challenging for the top four and not the title you know we've spoke about Maguire all of his issues were exposed so too were Lindelof's um, bad night for De Gea to not do well but also um, I think from Pogba coming off you see the sort of fragility in the centre midfield you know Fred and McTominay Fred not having a great night but again it does feel more about that partnership not offering the solidity we need in games like that even at 2-0 they can't see the game out so um, I pull a lot of sort of negatives and to pick through in that game um, I know Maguire is probably going to be someone that um, you're highly critical of um, but it, it wasn't a good defensive performance was it? No, it wasn't. I will come out and ask a question. Um, why did Fred have to come on? Why couldn't Van der Beek come on? Because the thing about Everton you have to do, you, when you do get the ball, you keep the ball. They've got no legs in their team. There's, no, there's not one Everton player of any pace on that. Dinya, Dinya, or whatever you call him, the left back. Only one, but he scurries. They haven't got no pace in that midfield. Gomez is not a runner. Rodriguez is definitely not a runner. Even... Even Calvert um, Lewin is not good. Is not quick. He's not quick. So why? Uh, so why bring on? Why bring on Fred? You bring on somebody because you're going to keep the ball. You bring on somebody. You got. You've already got um, Cavani up front. You got Fernandez, and you bring on Van der Beek, and he keeps the ball. He gets the ball, and he runs. He runs with it into little bits. But you bring on Fred in a game like that, which isn't the quickest game, that means Fred's got more time in the ball, you're causing problems. You don't need him. Fred comes into games that are quick in midfield. You've got McTominay with no great change of pace. So all of a sudden, you're, you're struggling. And Everton, were, Everton with no great pace cut through that midfield of Manchester United so quick, so many times. The only thing that was costing them is that they wasn't that good up front, Everton. They never held the ball. Like Rick Arlison... Uh, he, he runs around like, like the silver ball does in a pinball machine. He just, he just bounces off everything, lies down, foul ref, no, okay, and then goes on. He doesn't seem bothered. I don't know how Ancelotti or any manager would put up with him, but again, I'm going to use the words of Graham Soonis, that's the modern game. Managers have to get on with it, and you can see why Sir Alex stopped when he stopped. So um, you do ask the question, the midfielders run all over incredible they were getting through and they were getting to the back getting to the back four and then you look at the back four and you've seen them you don't they don't know when to drop off they never hold a line properly there was one moment when Wampasaka was three four yards behind his center half the center half would put their arm up it wasn't offside they're going mad at the assistant referee Wampasaka's two three yards behind him I know that I would never do it. it if there was all, if there was something the referee never gave it, Brucey would turn around and look at me, and he'd just look at me and he'd go Parks, and I'd just be virtually shaking my head like a lost, a lost little schoolboy because I knew I was never behind him. Because if I did, he would have ripped my head off. Mm. So there's, there's no, there's no organisation across the back line. It still isn't as much as certain people have improved. You're still as a unit not right. They're not right as a team. To, to win a Premier League with a defence like with a defence like that, it still has not improved. I 
I do worry. I do what everyone keeps telling me. Even my boy says to me, it'd be better if Bailly was playing in there with Maguire. But I do wonder, I always do wonder, why is everyone keep saying, with Maguire? With Maguire. I look, I look at strengths and everything. People, because he's good with the ball. He's not really that good as people want to say. As he gets, he dribbles into cul-de-sacs. He put De Gea under pressure for that goal against Sheffield United. Yeah. He gave him a crap ball, and De Gea makes a mistake. But everybody, I jump on the bandwagon of getting um, De Gea out. That seems to happen every single time United have a, have a wrong moment. And yes, he didn't kick it well. It's not his greatest strength. So as a player, you know you don't give it to him. If I've got a player who's got a re- who can't use his left foot, I'm not going to give it to him because all I'm doing is passing the buck. I'll just kick it out of play and why don't you give it to me what is on your left foot oh, well you should have tried it but no I didn't I didn't want, to, didn't want to put you under any pressure like that he totally just went no you have it I'm in trouble here you have it David and the moment he kicks it out what he done there you are you passed the buck to someone else people who are honest and good centre halves don't do that you don't put someone in a position like that your goalkeeper and, he, and, that's, and that's where he cost them one I talked about earlier lying on the floor Looking, looking for a foul when he when he made a mistake and he's tried to he's gambled on the referee giving him a foul in today's game make a noise and whoever shouts first will get the foul generally it didn't work for him United get caught out mm. it's, it's not good it's, it's not good at all and they they, they it, it really does worry me it worries me now I still believe for United to really talk about them seriously they need two centre-halves of equal quality. City have got two new centre-halves. Yeah. No, I, Sto- I agree. Stones is, a new, Stones is a new centre-half to them. Diaz has been absolutely incredible and you can see the quality. You can see the quality of what they've got in there. The way, that, the way they play, you can see quality. Yes, they're going to make mistakes, but they're making a lot less mistakes to the centre-halves of Man City and that's why Man City have gone bang. Yeah, and I, I will talk about the um, the sort of transfers in a moment. Um, I've got a good bit of a grumble about that. But on on what you were saying about um, Eric Bay and Lindelof and Maguire together, I think where I am with this is that we've seen enough of Bay and Lindelof. We know that they can together. It can be a disaster. It can be an absolute disaster. So I can't say that we should be playing those anymore. I think Lindelof and Maguire is better than. Bale, uh, Eric Bay and Lindelof, but then I also think that Eric Bay and Maguire is better than Lindelof and Maguire. So that sort of says to me, I'm not saying Maguire's perfect at all, and I think I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you completely on that. If we want to win the league or even um, want to challenge, you know, challenge for Champions League, and that we do definitely probably need to centre off. Um, in the short term, looking at the other sort of areas of the team and where you start with, I think we definitely need one centre half because I think that's an emergency. So, seeing the difference that Eric Byers made when he plays alongside Maguire, if you've got someone who's less erratic than Eric Bay, but is better than Eric Bay, which I don't think is going to be that difficult to find, um, then we'll see an upgrade. I'm not saying that that will win us the league, but it might take us another step forward. If you see what I'm saying, that's. Um, but when you look at a game like the other days, you, you can see a couple of um, problems with Maguire. The first, that he obviously gets turned by Calvert-Lewin out of position. And the second, obviously, that he's keeping everyone on side at the end. And, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not good. It's not good enough. Um, and he will know that. He will know that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's one of those, I mean, again, we talk about the Southampton game and you can't really analyse it in depth because we've won 9-0. It's not a game of minor differences. And against Everton, it's all there laid bare for you to see. You all, Everyone sees what the problem is. Um, and maybe you're right. Maybe Van der Beek coming on changes um, in the way that United keep possession. But then I, I also think that that's just the idea again that we've seen with you know Fred and McTominay doing two jobs of one midfielder and, and not being perfect at doing it. Um, the one good thing out of it out of the game, Paul uh, Bruno Fernandez, absolutely magnificent goal. Um, Cavani's goal was good as well, um, but Fernandez is right the game. So cre- cre- um, praise for that. Um, 
A lot of comparisons to Eric Cantona. Um, no, more like no, a David no. Beckham show, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. They put that one in. Uh, no, it wasn't. Eric's one was more. When you look at that goal against Sunderland, that was kind of like a chip. It was something. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't an Eric goal. Eric never used to hit balls like that. Yeah. That's what I thought because I, I never saw him strike it. He'd like get his foot around it for a shot. He'd always hit it straight on, wouldn't he? Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Eric, Eric was like a clean striker. I always think about the one he scored against Arsenal, the free kick. Yeah, yeah. And I'm directly behind it, and I'm just watching that ball as it leaves, and I'm just watching it. Virtually, the ball was kind of bouncing in the air, and it was just like hit it so flat. I don't think the ball spun. Yeah. He just bang, and that, and that was an Eric strike. That's nothing to do with it, but that's the one as a Twitter. You put things together, and there's my opinion. And that's, but, but by the way, my opinion is a fact. <laughs> that's what that's what it was about. No, no, nothing like it. But uh, I can sort of see where people are coming from because again, the the Cantona comparisons have been there, and you sort of tempted to go there straight away. Do you think? Is it time that we stop doing that? Because I, I'm not sure. I know that he's. He, I, I agree with that. You know, the idea that he's had the biggest impact of a player since Cantona, um, in terms of elevating the side. Because obviously we've got Ronaldo and Rooney and players like that. But in terms of him elevating, I, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. He's elevated the team and he's elevated the club, and everyone can see that. Sort of his presence has allowed Martial and Greenwood a little bit more space and time to develop naturally. But Eric. Broke 10% out of players that he was with. Mark Hughes had a, this like renaissance at the end of his career. It made Giggs and Kant- Chelsea's better wingers as well. <coughs> Fernandez, I don't think he does that to other players. I, I don't mean that in a disservice. I just mean there's a different kind of players. And that yeah. if you start going down the road of constantly drumming this Cantona comparison, it's not going to be fair to Fer- Fernandez, is it? Do you no. know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that Fernandez isn't having a great impact. I'm just saying if you start comparing him to the most influential player the club's ever had, you're setting him up to fail. And I don't think that's fair because he's doing such a great job. Yeah, that's correct. I think a lot of people who are doing this comparison and believing it are the people who actually never sat down week in, week out at Old Trafford and watched Eric play. Mm. I think they're people who have just seen clips or hearing stories and just putting that together and thinking, yeah, and just adding that bit on because the team were poor, he's come along and done well, then they've kind of jumped in a bandwagon. Got to remember, when Eric turned up in 92, we wasn't poor. Yeah, we weren't deemed a poor team. We were deemed as a team that still should be looking to win the Premier League. Before before Fernandez turned up, this team were never even considered winning the Premier League. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, if we weren't in this situation, the team would never have been talked about winning the Premier League. It wouldn't have been talked about winning a title. It would never have ever gone top of the Premier League mm. if we'd have been in in normal circumstances. Because there's no way, there's no way that you doesn't matter what. Because we always keep saying these, the golden rules: the league never lies. The points discrepancies tells you that either people are going to have to turn around and I don't know, be hypocrites, or the fact of we have to look at the circumstances to reasons why United <clears throat> had that moment when they were top of the league and people were talking about them winning a Premier League title to make up thirty odd points. It just doesn't... You think to yourself, how is that possible? And you look what's there and you go, oh, that's the reason why. And it is. Because when you look at Aston Villa talking about Europa League, they should have gone down, but they didn't because of um, goal line technology failed. And now they're competing. Everyone's talking about them being such a good side. How has that happened? Mm. How has that happened? Unless there's something unbelievable has happened in the world. And lo and behold, there has. And it's affected football greatly. Yeah. Yeah, no, it absolutely has, and um, you could see that a little bit yesterday. At Anfield, no crowd again, and Liverpool yeah. was their, their third home game on the trot. Um, should have been four, but obviously the, the team that didn't do that was uh, we didn't yeah. put them away. Um, but City had that kind of ruthlessness, and, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a run now. So City had the ruthlessness that uh, we could have showed if we had strengthened in January. Um, yesterday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, owned by the Glazer family who acquired Tom Brady last year, the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't follow American football, but that's what... Um, You've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, 
They won it and Joel Glazer in the match program. I saw this um, in the match day program um, for the Super Bowl. He, he was quoted as saying, We all know why his dad wanted the team and we all believed in the same goals. First and foremost, he wanted to win. He knew how important it was to give back to our home in the Tampa Bay area. Well, Mr. Glazer will not be listening to this, but his family are responsible for draining £1.5 from the sports team you own in the UK. If you've got that sense of responsibility in giving back, well, how about just not pilfering from Manchester United in the middle of a pandemic? You go and sign the best quarterback of all time to, to win the Super Bowl. We didn't need to sign Messi or Ronaldo to win the league. We didn't even need them to put any money of their own in. We just wanted to spend our own money. We just wanted a centre-back more durable than Eric Bai. We could all see the problem, didn't get it. Needed a midfielder more suitable than Van der Beek and a right winger as well. We needed. You could have had two of those three, a centre back and an alternative centre midfielder, um, for the price that you paid for Brady. Let's take Thomas Party for example. You sign him and Upper Meccano, and you've only spent fifty million pound extra on on the summer, and you've got um, a definitive upgrade in in your team. That's definitely. We, we can't say where it ends but it definitely puts a few extra points on the board one thing I do hope is that their victory yesterday brings a harsher spotlight on what they've done to United last week it was reported that Burnley are struggling because they've had, they've been basically victims of the same takeover process that loaded the club with debt there has to be a system put in place to stop this because it's destroying football institutions United don't have a divine right to win things but if they had an extra 1.5 billion that's been taken away from the club they would have won something else I'm sure of that probably doesn't really matter what matters is the club any football club the club that you've supported and you've seen it happen to them and it's happening to Burnley this year as it was happening to us 15 years ago it's absolutely disgraceful that the people who've got power to stop it happening or at least sort of question the process they've just watched it happen it's a sporting disgrace it's absolutely disgusting so I'm just hoping that when people are celebrating what's happening with Tampa Bay it brings a spotlight on what's happened at United because we've, we're now watching United fail to take advantage of a good situation that the manager has put them in despite the ownership and he wasn't backed to sort of overachieve as we could have been doing um, and you see the difference that a Bruno Fernandes makes and all you, you need is one or two players in other areas to you know, have another sensible upgrade and you don't take that advantage or you don't take that opportunity and you're left with this um, Tom Bowler of a season um, so we're not going to win the league um, I, I don't think so um, it looks unlikely that Liverpool will so small mercies from that but we are still aiming for the top four and perhaps the realistic slipping away of that league title challenge is going to cause a greater focus on winning a trophy uh, Paul that journey is going to start this week with a visit from West Ham who are resurgent at the moment the sixth in the league um, very good win at Villa although they were be beaten fairly comfortable a couple of, in the last couple of weeks by um, Liverpool to be fair but Moyes has these runs doesn't he sometimes it's never you always think that oh David Moyes is going to be back to his peak Everton days but it's like every year or two he has a really good side in really good form and that's where he is at the moment with West Ham so he's going to be coming to Old Trafford um, full of optimism that um, he can get a result in the FA Cup I think so without doubt I think Oli's <clears throat> going to make changes he's going to he's not going to I don't know how if he's going to keep the team really strong I think he has to but he's going to he's going to tr- make changes I don't think David Moyes will change it too much his team has definitely got it's, it's in Everton mode I've seen them quite a lot this season I go to London Stadium quite a bit and it's, it's been incredible to be honest they're another team who have relished the opportunity to play in, in an empty stadium because they are incredible if, if anybody was to go to just go along as a neutral and watch West Ham play at London Stadium their fans are absolute talk about partisan they are absolutely incredible when it's going well it's unstoppable when it ain't going well it's horrible absolute horrible my local team <coughs> the town I was born in West Ham they are absolutely incredible the players are relishing the freedom and when the fans moan about this this stadium's got no atmosphere it's not got this it's not got that I'll tell you what the fans are, are relishing and loving playing in a stadium with no atmosphere they have everything they've got nothing on their backs there's no there's no 
there's no luggage on their back with the fans. They're just playing free, and they seem to be enjoying themselves. Players have stepped on. David Moyes has gone out and got a lot of playmakers, which is unlike what he had at Everton. He had players who just done jobs, just done jobs. Fellaini, just done a job. Um, Tim Cahill, just done a job. And he's got he's got a Fellaini, but a Fellaini and a Cahill in one player. In Suchek, Salchek, whatever way it goes. I don't know if he's going to be playing at this moment in time. I'm sure we'll find out at some point today because that, that needs to be wiped off the board as quick as possible, that sending off. But they defensively, Ogbonna. I, when I, I saw Ogbonna two, three years ago, I'm going, no, no, no. I'm going now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Um, Craig Dawson is having his best run of form in the Premier League because I think he's believed in, he's playing regularly. Um, even Creswell at left back. And I mean, for me, the sign, one of these signings of the season, he won't be because he plays for West Ham and he only cost a few bob. He cost four million pounds. Um, Kufal. Mm. Sufal, I think they call him. I don't know why that. I think they pronounce that C as an S. But he's been absolutely... He is... I mean, in the end, this so-called new superstar in English game, Jack Grealish, he had him in his pocket. Jack Grealish went to the other side of the pitch. Couldn't deal with him because he is absolutely so tenacious. Tenacious. He reminds me of a Czech Republic Zabaleta. Yeah. Absolutely. Their midfield, Ben Rama. What a player Ben Rama is. Ben Rama is an incredible player. He, he should, honestly, I've, he glides when he runs. He's just amazing when he's got the football at his feet. And they, they keep on about, you know, he's Algerian. You keep on about our Mares. I tell you what, this lad has got more about him than Mares. Mares has got is a trick. He's got a, one trick. And this lad is all over the place. They've got a really difficult game. And if I remember rightly, didn't Manchester didn't United once lose to um, West Ham in an FA Cup game? Well, they've, uh, yeah, a couple, I think. But yeah, I think uh, famously it? the Bartes and the yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's going to be tough. They'll come there, and he he's already come out and said prior to that Doncaster game and he said it again after the Doncaster game which I where they were absolutely immense against a lower team lower division team they were immense they absolutely you've got you should be winning this game by loads and they actually won it by loads and should have scored more they were from start to finish they took it so serious Yarmolenko at centre forward was incredible so I could see maybe Yarmolenko if Yarmolenko is playing centre forward he won't be pushing up and trying to win headers and having a fight. He just get in there and he, he he brings people into the game, doing all the stuff, all the stuff that um, Antonio can't do if he plays him a set. Which he'd every chance because Antonio's struggling with his hamstrings. So this is going to be a game that if, you, if Ollie doesn't pick the right team with the right attitude, and we've got to remember they're playing at Old Trafford, which is still at the moment in time is not as bad as it is for Liverpool Anfield, but. There's not much in it, really, in that sense. United, I think, have won more games there than what Liverpool at their home ground, but I'm only guessing that in the moment, just judging how things are. But they've got to get it right, otherwise they could be out of the FA Cup, and it's one of those things. Only needs to win a trophy. He's got to stay in the FA Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Yeah, you're right. 20 years ago this season, the, the Di Canio um, against Barthez moment, uh, which was incredible and tells you how sort of um, significant Barthez that season was for him because I think it was that season it might be the season after where Barthez chucked a couple against Arsenal and and they were talking about that with Alisson yesterday at at Liverpool no Uh, no 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 don't don't be silly he he didn't have his thermal socks on with the batteries in them I've I've got them now when I go I've got thermal socks now and I've got batteries in in little um, little pockets on either side of them and I just touch a button at the top of them honestly they're they're immense that's all he he had to do if he got a pair of them on underneath his boots he would have been fine and he would have struck the ball a lot better Wayne yeah um, so the um, best manager in the world would have you believe anyway and yeah that's all fun and games he still is but he he, um, I think he needs to come up with better excuses than that Um, after West Ham we've got Sam Allardyce and West Brom I say Sam Allardyce and West Brom but it's mostly Sam Allardyce because he seems less bothered about keeping West Brom up and more about getting individual results against top teams to prove he's still got it as a manager oh god Um, and you know obviously he was um, crowing wasn't he when they got the result against Liverpool Um, and 
that's going to be the kind that does you know I look at West Brom this season they've conceded five goals on three different occasions at home they've conceded four against Arsenal as well um, dreadful run of form um, at home um, and yet you kind of expect that they're going to show up shop against United and, and sort of stifle them and then they might well do it because you know you never know what United are going to turn up um, but it is very much a sort of it's like Sam Allardyce's retirement tour isn't it of what he can do and not really about West Ham stay, uh, West Brom staying up at the moment oh, but I think a lot of people are just fed up with him now and hearing him talk and you know I this I that and it's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's like hearing a poor man's Mourinho. To be perfectly honest, someone just talking about themselves when you hear him talk. And I've told the players about all about if they get relegated, how it affects everybody. But Sam, you've never been relegated. How, how do you know it? How it affects everybody? That's what you keep telling us. You've never been relegated. Well, that's the last thing you should be saying when you go into that situation. I still feel sorry for Billage. Billage should never have lost his job. Billage, when he got that draw against City, he didn't go out and say, I could do that job at City if if I had that kind of money, if I had that. Because he knew there was other games and <clears throat> football is, you know, players raise themselves. The players still raise themselves for the big game. Billage knew that, but he got that. But the ball decided to get him out, bring Sam in. He does what he does. But <clears throat> he doesn't want to talk about the big home defeats. He had the amount of goals there conceded. You know, he tried to he tried to get the he wanted them to stop the Premier League, didn't he? When he after three four days of being in there, because he was worried about his health. You know, being over sixty, the man who wears a mask round, round his chin. So um, it's one of those games that I you know I really hope that United go and win and go and win well. Crystal Palace have gone now and scored five, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so United have gone and scored nine at home. I want to go there. I want them to go there and be comprehensive. Go and show the reasons why West Brom are where they are. And don't let them, because it's a big game, because Big Sam will wind them up even more because it's Manchester United. Let him go and use Manchester United as something, as something to beat with a stick. You never know. Um, but that's going to be the game that we're talking about next week. Well, that and the West Ham game as well. So hope that United can put two if they can put two wins together then they're going to be in a, um, a much better position and really it's this, this month of results before the, the, the really tough results start uh, fixtures start coming in that United are going to need to get some points on the board to sort of strengthen that place in the top four because it's going to be um, it's going to be very difficult the next couple of months um, right that's it for this week Talking Devils is brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts Obviously, Classic Football Shirts um, are a long-time sponsor of the show. They've got a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in physical stores as well. Listeners to this podcast get the 10% discount using TOTD10 at checkout online. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts, especially for our anniversary show. You've got to sort of spread some love for that. Um, we'll be back next week to um, talk about those games. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.